Just one week after undergoing surgery on his wrist, Jackson Smith and Jigba is already out on the practice field snagging passes from Geno Smith and company. But does that mean he's going to be ready for the season opener against the Rams? I'm going to be breaking it all down in our Thursday edition of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings 12, this is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. A special thanks to all the 12s out there, as always, whether you're listening in Bozeman, Montana, or Lexington, Kentucky, we greatly appreciate you making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We're drawing ever so close to the start of the season, a little over a week away from the season opener at Lumen Field against the Rams. I'll be taking a first look, pulling back the curtain at a much different looking Rams squad later in the show. I'll be tackling your questions on our mailbag segment and much more. This episode is brought your way by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more right now. New customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. Now for your lead story here on our Thursday edition of Locked On Seahawks. When Jackson Smith and Jigba suffered a fractured bone in his wrist in the second preseason game and required surgery, most people, including myself, thought it was going to be far-fetched, if not impossible, for him to be ready to play in week one. But sure enough, just one week after undergoing the procedure in Philadelphia, Jackson Smith and Jigba has not only been practicing, he's been snagging passes. He was a full participant yesterday. Yesterday, Today, he did have a red practice jersey on for their padded practice so the Seahawks were protecting him like a quarterback, no contact. So he's not quite to the point where they are comfortable with him taking any hits. It's only been seven days since the surgery. But nonetheless, this is a remarkable recovery already for him to be back on the practice field. He is wearing a special brace on his left wrist. And Geno Smith said that there may be a few things with that brace that make it a little trickier for him. But he looked fine out there. The catches that I've seen on video looks like he's comfortable with that brace and he is making receptions. So who knows at this point? Pete Carroll was not going to commit to whether he was going to play or not. I doubt the Seahawks are going to make that determination until they get towards kickoff. That could be a game time decision on purpose for a bit of gamesmanship against their NFC West rivals. But the fact that he's already out there on the practice field, he's making those catches. Seattle would not be letting him do that if the medical staff was not comfortable with him being out there on the field. So to me, that is a really good sign that there's a chance we could see Jackson Smith and Jigba not missing any games to start his rookie uh, rookie season, that he could be out there for the Seahawks catching passes. And I think that's definitely an exciting development. Again, we're talking about a guy that just got hurt a couple of weeks ago, and this was supposed to be a three to four week recovery minimum. And there were plenty of sports doctors out there that were saying it might be more like five or six given the injury, but he's already out there catching practice reps, catching passes, and it looks promising. The other thing that's worth noting here, the Seahawks have two other receivers that are on the 53-man roster, Jarek Young and Cody Hompson, who did not practice again today, but the Seahawks have yet to make an injury designation for them. No injured reserve designations as of today on the transaction wire. They also haven't done that with Mike Morris. So the players that there were questions about 
coming into the season on this 53-man roster, whether they were going to be healthy enough to keep on the roster. They may still very well be heading that direction, but for now the Seahawks aren't rushing to make any moves. And so with Jackson Smith and Jigba looking like he is on the mend, he is getting close to being ready to play, which again, I can't believe I'm saying that. I thought this was going to be at least a three or four week ordeal and he would probably miss one game and maybe he still will. The Seahawks are not going to throw him out there just to play in a game if he's not fully ready to go. But this is very encouraging that he is looking like he's going to be able to play. The fact that Derek Young, Cody Thompson still have not been put in injured reserve, maybe don't put too much into it, don't read too much into it because of the state of their injuries. But it looks like the Seahawks are really trying to wait till the last second to see, are these players banged up enough that we have to keep them out for four weeks? Because that's what the injured reserve list requires in short term, when you place players on there, they're out for a minimum of four games. So Seattle would not have either one of those players until week five. They've already got D. Eskridge on the suspension list. He's also rehabbing from a knee injury. Not like it matters because he's going to miss those first six games. But this is a receiving core that could potentially be missing three key contributors. Getting Jackson Smith and Jigba back, though, would be a huge deal to go with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, giving them that star-studded trifecta for Geno Smith and company. So right now, if I had to hedge bets, and again, I'm not somebody that bets a lot because typically I don't do very well in that regard. But if I was a betting man here, I would say at this point that I think it's probably a 75-25 that Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to play in this football game, which would be a huge deal for the Seahawks. And again, much faster recovery time than I expected. But then again, Tyler Lockett last year only missed one game after hand surgery, came back and played in the Seahawks' final couple of games with no issues. So maybe this is more normal than we think, or it could just be a situation where you got a couple of guys that just heal really fast and are determined to get back on the field. Either way, it's looking promising for him to be back early in the season, if not out there catching passes in week one against the Rams. As far as other injury updates for the Seahawks, there's still a couple key players that have not returned to practice yet. Top five pick Devin Witherspoon, according to the reporters that were on site today, they only get to watch the first couple minutes of practice before they get booted back inside. But Devin Witherspoon and Jamal Adams did not have helmets on. So doesn't look like they are getting the work yet that Pete Carroll was saying that they would at this stage. Daryl Taylor and Derek Hall are both out as well. They've been out this entire week. Taylor trying to work back from a shoulder injury. Hall also has a shoulder injury he suffered in the preseason finale against the Packers. So there are going to be some questions still about the state of all four of those players within now just a little over a week until the season opener. Adam seems like the toughest call as far as making it back for week one. If he hasn't started the walkthrough process already, maybe he has behind closed doors. But if he has not started that process yet, trying to get him back ready to play in a football game in just a little over a week seems really improbable. But the other three players, Witherspoon's been doing walkthrough stuff for the last week. He's been running hard, so he's getting close to being ready to go. Taylor and Hall, not much of an update from Pete Carroll on those two players, so it remains to be seen. But the good news is Jackson Smith and Jigba looks like he's got a chance to be ready to go for week one, which would pay Huge dividends for the Seahawks against a Rams team that has left the middle of the field open plenty of times in previous matchups, and they haven't necessarily been able to make them pay for it. If you do that against Jackson Smith and Jake Butt, he's got a chance to go off with a big game. So his complementary skill set to go with the other receivers the Seahawks have 
this will be a really good first litmus test. And only missing a couple of weeks, he shouldn't be that far behind after having a really impressive training camp and early preseason before the injury. It's all great news for the Seahawks, and hopefully they can get a few of those other players back in time for that season opener so they can be close to full strength against their bitter division rivals. Coming up next, I'm going to be answering your questions on a Thursday mailbag segment. we got questions from Twitter as well as YouTube. Looking forward to tackling those questions here in a moment on our Thursday edition of Locked On Seahawks, which is brought your way by our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook. Take your first swing betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run. It's all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Locked on Seahawks. This is your host, Corbin Smith. A special thanks to all the 12s, as always, for tuning in and making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. Coming up tomorrow, we'll have our Blue Friday episode. Going to be taking a look at some fantasy prognosis for Ken Walker III and Zach Charbonnet and making some projections for what to expect from the Seahawks individually going into the 2023 season as we draw closer to week one. will be a jam-packed episode. You'll want to make sure that you are listening in. Let's get to those mailbag questions, shall we? We've got a bunch of them on Twitter and YouTube as well. And the first one we've got here is from the Tennessee Hawk. I'm assuming from the great state of Tennessee. Thoughts on the Seahawks releasing Holton Aylers from the practice squad? Do they have another QB in mind for the practice squad, or will we sign him back? If I had to make a guess right now, I anticipate that Holton Aylers will be back on the practice squad at some point in the near future. This is not an abnormal transaction for the Seahawks. I think they're trying to see how Joey Hunt feels. He's been trying to come back from an injury. And, oh, by the way, Olotimi has been banged up with his elbow So that's why they've got four centers on the practice squad and the active roster right now. They've got some injuries at that position. I don't think that Holton Ehlers is going to sign anywhere else. He's certainly not going to want to sign to another team's practice squad unless the Seahawks just simply told him, we've seen enough, we're just not going to bring you back. I anticipate they saw enough positives from him. Pete Carroll spoke glowingly about him throughout the preseason. He's a good developmental quarterback to keep around. So I was surprised to see him as one of the two players that was cut today, Greg Island being the other one. But I anticipate that there's still going to be a few injured reserve designations coming up. The Seahawks are going to elevate a few players to the active roster, and then they'll have some spots open. Then you can re-sign Holton Aylers. I expect, I'm very confident, actually, that he is going to be back on that practice squad. It would surprise me. Now, if there's another QB that's out there that they liked, you know, maybe one of the two that got released by the New England Patriots, Bailey Zappi or Malik Cunningham, maybe that's somebody they're looking at right now that's available. But I think Holton Naylor should be back. He did enough in the preseason, and he knows the offense. You want to have a guy like that around rather than bringing a newcomer in to start the regular season. Tony in Montana tweets, with the news, Cooper Cup suffered a setback in his rehab. If he doesn't suit up to play against Seattle, do you set Witherspoon no matter what to give him an extra week of rehab? That's a really good question. I don't know that Pete Carroll and his staff operate that way, but because it is the season opener and because Devin Witherspoon has been out since August 7th, he didn't play in any of the preseason games, the Seahawks on one hand really want to get him out there. Pete Carroll's been talking about that. We got to get him the reps. 
but is he going to be ready to actually play in a game? I would hedge bets that he, if he's healthy enough, is going to dress, but maybe Seattle doesn't start him because he's missed so much time. Maybe they work him in some in their nickel and dime packages in the slot where he was playing for the most part before his hamstring injury. I would find it hard to believe that they're just going to sit it. Now, if he's not healthy, then obviously this makes the decision easy for them. If they feel like it's a risk putting him out there and Cooper Cup's not playing for the Rams, you can sleep a little bit better going into that game knowing that you're going to rest your top five pick for another week. But I think right now things are still trending for him to be able to dress in that game. We'll see what happens with Cooper Cup. Hamstring injuries can be really tricky. Sometimes you can get back in a few days. Sometimes it can be like Keenan Allen last year was bucking in for most of the season. So you just don't know. It's a day-to-day thing right now, as Sean McVay said. But we'll see. I do think if he's out, maybe that impacts the rotation a little bit, but I think they really want to get Devin Witherspoon on the field right now. Michael Hendrickson at Maytown. Michael, you have frequently suggested the Seahawks will likely run less base defense this season, especially if Jamal Adams is healthy, but how can that be effective against power run schemes like the 49ers who run it so effectively? Won't smash mount football force us into base formations? Well, Michael, it can. Uh, I mean, obviously that is what teams are hoping to do. That's what Mike Shanahan wants to do. He wants to run the ball. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, excuse me. Mike Shanahan was the same way, his father, but Kyle Shanahan wants to run the football effectively with a myriad of different looks to force you into the defensive looks they want. Bring up an extra linebacker into the box. Have that traditional 3-4-4-3 look rather than having that extra DB. And then the play action's opened up. We can open up our passing game more. Of course, that's what offenses want to do. But you can still be really effective defending the run using nickel and dime sets, especially if you've got guys like Jamal Adams and Devin Witherspoon as those extra defenders, those guys hit like linebackers. So I think the Seahawks have the personnel to be able to do it, but a lot of this boils down to, it doesn't matter if you're in base, you're in nickel, you're in dime, whatever. If your front line isn't getting the job done and they're getting pushed around and they're not handling their run fits, your linebackers aren't working off of them. Your unit as a whole has got to play sound scheme wise with your run fits. If you're not doing that, it doesn't matter if you're in base, if you're in nickel or dime, teams are going to run the football, especially the ones that can scheme the run game up really well, like the 49ers. So uh, to really answer the question, yeah, it could force the Seahawks to do that if they're in nickel and dime and teams are able to run it down their throats. But I think Seattle is confident with the personnel changes they've made up front getting more athletic and having guys like Jamal Adams and Devin Witherspoon healthy that can come up and hit people and play really well against the run. They're confident that they can play those five, six DB sets and still be more than effective defending the run. Justin Van Buskirk on Twitter, assuming Witherspoon will be outside when healthy, do you foresee a large uptick in quarter, quarter, half coverage? So we're talking about uh, your cover six coverage, which the Seahawks have ran quite a bit the last couple of years. I don't know that there's going to be an uptick. That's just been something that they've been doing more often, especially last season. And I think if you've got Jamal Adams healthy and he's playing some of those two deep safety looks, you are going to see more of this to try to protect him. And then you've got Quandre Diggs managing the other side with that half uh, with the half coverage. It should actually be half quarter quarter if you're looking at it correctly. But I do think the Seahawks are going to continue to run that. I don't know if we're going to see an uptick necessarily, though, because it has been something coverage-wise they've been doing more as they've moved away from being a cover three heavy team to doing some other different types of coverages. And they now have the personnel, if everybody's healthy, if Witherspoon's playing outside or in the slot, where they may be able to play a little bit more 
man coverage as well, and they can mix and match more blitzers. I do think they have a little more scheme flexibility right now than what they have had in a while if they have everybody healthy, and that's the million-dollar question here. Can you get Devin Witherspoon and Joel Adams back and keep them healthy if you can with everybody else they've got in place? This secondary gives Clint Hurt and company a lot of schematic flexibility in coverage and what they're doing up front, how they defend the run. Seahawks today is edge a concern with Hall and Taylor out and no expected time they'll be back. So if those two are out against the Rams, then yes, I do think that that's a somewhat concerning development from a depth perspective. But that's why you quickly get Levi Bell back on your practice squad, because I had Levi Bell on the 53 man roster to start. And maybe if those two guys are banged up, he's one of the players that gets called up as a practice squad elevation for week one and he gets to play quite a few snaps against the Rams he certainly has earned that opportunity with what he did you're still going to have Boye Mafe, Uchenna Nuosu and Tyree Smith who I thought finished the preseason strong after a somewhat quiet start to the exhibition season but I think it's a little early right now he's still got a little over a week and I think they're trying to be cautious of these guys Daryl Taylor I have been told by several people the last week that he's doing well but maybe not to the point where they are wanting to get him in a situation where he's doing contact stuff next week. I think they're going to test that out. We'll see where Derek Hall is at, but if both those guys are out, yeah, that does create some concerns in terms of depth, but luckily they do have a guy that showed he could play in the preseason and Levi Bell available. They can call up. They can be a pinch hitter off the edge and play inside a little bit. If need be a couple questions here off of YouTube, little Billy 8747. Will the run defense for Seattle actually be better? I feel the worst case scenario is we are just trying a different, not necessarily better solution. Still not prioritizing sign of D line players or size of D line players and going with smaller, more athletic guys. Can Adams and Wagner patch up potential weaknesses well enough? Well, yes, I do think that they can, but all this Jaron Reed was talking about it today, speaking with reporters that, this is going to fall on the defensive line. When you finish 30th, that's going to be the first group that is going to take the blame. And I do think the front line played into that last year, and a lot of it was the run fit uh, issues, the gap integrity issues that they had. And the back half didn't play much better. It was a issue for all three phases of the defense. But the front line is where things started. They're banking on Draymond Jones and Jaron Reed and Mario Edwards being able to come in and instantly improve that group. And some of it is just the mindset you play with. And that's what Jaron Reeves was talking about today. He's He was basically saying, look, we're, we're confident. But we're not arrogant about it, but we believe that we're going to play fine. And he's like, I guarantee we're not finishing like that we did last year. So those guys in the front line, they are going to try to set the tone. Bobby Wagner has been for more than a decade, one of the elite linebackers defending the run. And I think if you have a healthy Jamal Adams and Devin Witherspoon, if Witherspoon's playing in the slot, he is an outstanding tackler that you can do some stuff with that can get into the backfield, can go to the line of scrimmage and make plays. Again, the personnel I think is in place. I do have some concerns about the depth that knows tackle though, especially if Cameron Young's not healthy. He has been practicing this week, but didn't play in any of the preseason games. He's a fourth round pick. That's putting a lot on his plate as a rookie in my mind. So that would still be the one area I'm concerned about. But I do like some of the additions, bringing back Wagner. You're going to have Adams returning, Witherspoon. It does feel like the pieces are in place for them to be improved. I just, at this point, don't know how much better they're going to be than what they were a year ago. Red Eye, 3289. With the addition of JSN and emergence of Jake Bobo, is D. Eskridge's time in Seattle up even after the suspension? Will Seattle try to find a way to use him since he was a training camp stud? So, 
I'm going to say that that is still what they're planning to do. I think if the Seahawks were going to move on from Eskridge with him having a suspension, I think they would have already done it. I think they would have cut their losses. So I don't think they're giving up on him yet. They have known about this legal issue that led to the suspension since February when it happened. So they had time to make that determination that, you know what, he's been injured. He hasn't produced. Now he's got a suspension. We're going to move on. But he was outstanding the first week and a half of training camp. It was easily the best he's looked. And there's still that top flight speed and playmaking ability that they haven't been able to take advantage of. So I think Seattle's looking at this. Hey, the six-game suspension maybe is a blessing in disguise. We can get him healthy with that knee sprain he suffered in the preseason opener. He'll be ready to go in week eight. Let's get him out there. And maybe by that point, there will be another injury. You hope not, but it does give you a nice wild card that can come in if you have a few injuries in the middle of the season. So I don't see Seattle giving up on him and releasing him. I think they already would have made a move if they were going to do that. And last question coming from Sean Scotchman. 3761. Why Nick Ballore over Levi Bell? Is it the money? Is it devotion to Ballore? Was Ballore better? What's the analysis here? So I think this boils down to a couple things. One, the locker room presence of Nick Ballore cannot be understated. He would have been a very unpopular cut if the Seahawks would have moved on from he's still an outstanding coverage guy on kick and punt coverage. The young guys feed off of his energy at doing things the right way. He's also just a really fun guy. He is one of those glue guys in the locker room. He can still play fullback and linebacker in a pinch, even though he doesn't really do that much at this point in his career. He is a nice insurance guy that you can have without using another roster spot, either in one of those positions. And the money that they paid him, he got a two-year contract in free agency, whether you agreed with it or not, uh, it didn't make much financial sense for them to move on from him. Now, if he had a really bad training camp or started to show his age and they moved on from, you know, Seattle has done that in the past where they ate some money, but he had some injuries in training camp, but nothing that has shown that he's going to be a declining player. So I wasn't surprised they kept him. I thought they were going to keep both those players, but maybe Levi Bell can still end up being that guy that takes that job because he's played so many positions on defense and he showed in preseason that he can play some fullback. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Locked on Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. A special thanks to all the 12s out there. We greatly appreciate your support listening to Locked on Seahawks five days a week. Let's get to our first preview coming into the regular season. Normally we do this on our Monday or Tuesday show, but in the season opener, the stakes are raised a little bit. There's so much excitement about getting ready for the upcoming opponent, and you don't have game film from this season to work off of. I'm sorry. I, mean, I know teams are watching some of their preseason games, but there's not much you can gain watching the Rams preseason games. They play very few starters to begin with. They're going to have vanilla playbooks. Seattle's doing the same thing. Every team in the league, they are holding stuff back for that season opener. So as far as X's and O's go, not going to be sharing much intel on that. We can look at past tendencies for Sean McVay. We'll do that some next week leading up to the game. But I want to pull the curtain back and look at a Rams team that a lot of people, quite frankly, they are writing them off in a similar way to what people did to the Seahawks last year. Now, they have not had the quarterback departure. Matthew Stafford is back after missing a big chunk of last year with an arm injury and dealing with a neck issue as well. He is back. He has been with the team throughout training camp in the preseason. He's ready to go for week one. They've got Aaron Donald back. Cooper Cup, on the other hand, as I mentioned in that question in the mailbag today, 
Sean McVay admitted, he acknowledged that Cup has had a little bit of a setback with a hamstring injury. They're calling him day-to-day. That could be something where he is out only a couple of days. He could be out a couple of months. We don't know, but that is certainly a storyline to watch, especially when you look at the fact that this Rams team has had so much turnover this offseason. As far as the additions, there aren't very many notable ones to this roster away from some intriguing draft picks that they brought in. Demarcus Robinson, the receiver. John Johnson, who played at the Rams earlier in his career, had a couple of years, a cup of tea in Cleveland. He's now back in his 30s now, still a solid player. And former Seahawk, he was here about five minutes, but Akella Witherspoon was signed in late June, and he is projected to potentially be one of their outside starters at cornerback to replace Jalen Ramsey. So again, that shows you where this team is at. This is primed to be a transition year when you lose Jalen Ramsey. Bobby Wagner, after his one year, goes back to Seattle. Leonard Floyd's gone. Greg Gaines is gone. Ashawn Robinson, who was a really good compliment to Aaron Donald, he's gone. Nick Scott's gone. Taylor Rapp, the pride of Washington, he's gone. Brandon Powell, he's not a star, but I had to put him on this list because he always played like a star against the Seahawks. Well, he is not on the roster anymore either. There's been an exodus of players. Allen Robinson's another I didn't have on that list for those of you watching on YouTube, and he's now playing at Pittsburgh. So this team has lost so many quality veterans and their superstars like Jalen Ramsey, Bobby Wagner, This team has had such an excess of talent. Odell Beckham Jr. didn't play last year, but now he's in Baltimore. They've lost so many key components, that team that won the Super Bowl two years ago. And so a lot of people have been writing them off. And this is one of the teams that I think is the toughest to project going into this season for a couple of reasons. One, if their stars stay healthy, if you don't have a significant injury with Cooper Cup here and he can get back out there week one or week two, whatever, early in the season, he stays healthy. Cooper Cup is still a top five receiver in the NFL when he's healthy. Matthew Stafford, you can make an argument, even at his advancing age, is still a top 10 caliber quarterback. Aaron Donald, he missed late in the season a bunch of games with an ankle injury, but he was dominant before he got hurt. He is still the cream of the crop when it comes to defensive superstars in the NFL. The Seahawks are not going to be happy. They have to deal with him again. Those three players by themselves have enough star power that the Rams might be able to surprise some people if they can keep those guys healthy and they get contributions from their rookies. The problem is you look at the depth chart. This is a little different than Seattle a year ago, at least for Seattle. Yeah, Russell Wilson's gone. We don't know what's going to happen at quarterback, but you still had the two star receivers. You had Jamal Adams coming back. Too bad he got hurt, but you had some solid veterans on your defensive line. They felt like Jordan Brooks was ready for a breakout. Reek Wollins, a pro bowler as a rookie. Nobody saw that coming, but Quandre Diggs is a pro bowler again. They've got two stud rookie tackles that step in. So there were some newcomers that immediately made the Seahawks much better than anticipated. The Rams, maybe they have something similar happen with a billion draft picks. They didn't have many picks early, just a second and a couple third rounders, but they did draft a bunch of players on day three that they're going to be counting on to contribute. And if they do get some positive contributions from that group and their stars stay healthy with the coaching they have under Sean McVay, the Rams could be a team that surprises people. If they have injuries, though, I could see this being a team that has some major issues again after winning five games a year ago. This is the toll you pay when you sell out, trade all your first and second round picks to get star players, and then you go up against the cap. You have to pay that toll eventually, and that's what the Rams are doing right now. Tons of dead cap hits this year. They've got a lot of holes 
on their defense. If you look at the depth chart, if you don't know any more than five or six of their players on that side of the ball, you're probably not alone. Most people would fall in that line because they have a lot of names that you're not going to be familiar with. Offensive lines had a lot of turnover. They were bad last year. Is Matthew Stafford going to be protected well enough to stay healthy? Are they going to be able to run the ball much? So there are a lot of questions. I'm saying don't sleep on this team because if their stars are healthy with the coaching they have, I can see the Rams doing what Seattle did last year and being a lot better than expected. But there are also a lot of dice that have to go in the right order here. The dominoes have to fall right in place for the Rams to do that. And it feels like they've got a lot less wiggle room. And at least at this point, you don't see the names popping off the page in their draft class to think that that player could have an instant impact the way that so many of Seattle's rookies did a year ago. So we'll have to wait and see. Week one is going to be a great chance to see what this team looks like. The Rams always play the Seahawks tough. So with some of the draft picks they brought in, we know that Steve Avila, the center from TCU, we know he's going to be playing. Byron Young, I expect he's going to be coming after Geno Smith off the edge. Kobe Turner is going to get some snaps. Puka Nakua, who was at Washington for a while, then transferred to BYU. He's been a player that has been getting a lot of positive buzz out of Rams camp. So there are plenty of young players here that have a chance to help the Rams be better than expected. But this is truly one of those teams where – I don't think any of us truly knows what to expect coming into the season from the team that just two years ago won the Super Bowl and then last year everything fell apart. They've lost so many star players. They're going to be out to prove people like the Seahawks did last year, though, that, hey, we're going to be competitive. We're going to win games. I don't expect this one to be easy, but they've got to keep their star players healthy, and they're going to need some big contributions from their rookies if they want to compete in the NFC West. Seattle should be favored in this game. But there's still going to be plenty of good players on the other side, especially if Cooper Cup makes it back for that game. He always gives the Seahawks fits. So, again, that is a storyline to watch. But I think this Rams team, they might be one of the most fascinating ones going into the NFC this season just because we really don't know what to expect. Are the Stars going to take this team to higher heights than anticipated? Or are they going to be bogged down by the fact the rest of this roster has so many holes? We'll have to wait and see, but week one will be a good first chance to see where that franchise is at entering in what could be a rebuilding year or maybe like last year for Seattle, a retooling year, and they're still competing for a playoff spot. And that fascination always makes week one interesting, especially with teams like this, where there's so much different, so much variation in what people think could happen. Maybe a playoff team, maybe competing for the number one pick next year. Who knows how it's going to play out, but it should be an interesting matchup. And we're looking forward to diving in more next week with Matchup Wednesday, looking at some in-depth numbers from the preseason a year ago, and really diving into this matchup as we head into this season opener. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. Subscribe and follow Locked on Seahawks on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast to ensure you don't miss a single episode. Coming up tomorrow, it's Blue Friday. We'll be taking a look at some fantasy information, some projections for Ken Walker III, Zach Charbonnet, and Seattle's backfield. What does NFL.com expect to see from these guys this year? What do we expect to see from them from a fantasy standpoint? And we'll be taking a look at some projections going into the regular season for the Seahawks on offense. You won't want to miss it. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday, and thanks for listening in. Go Hawks.